0: Hello and welcome. It's Thursday the 16th of April, 2020. And last month, Stu Girling was supposed to be here for his teacher training at Greystones Yoga Studio. But obviously, given the current situation, he couldn't travel. So I was lucky enough to speak with Stu on an Instagram Live. That's what this is recorded from. Hence the reason why you're going to hear us refer to comments and questions from people. And it actually went really well, I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to ensure that with these podcasts, with each and every episode, the audio is really good. And this is a learning curve for me because it's a new format. So I always appreciate your feedback to let me know what you think of the sound. Um, because, yes, we're living in trying times. There's loads of things we can't do. But with disruption, can come innovation. It depends how we view it. I know that it can be quite difficult to work from home to get motivated, but I see this as an exciting time. Let's say in terms of my um, teaching, because I'm able to reach out to people that would maybe not uh, I couldn't have reached before. I'm able to stream classes, which I'm doing every evening now from Monday to Friday, and be able to interact and teach people that I would have never had a chance to meet before. And it's given me a kick up the backside to say, look, you need to build a greater online presence. You need to have something out there and offering that people can access uh, anytime, any place. So I have decided to, over the last few weeks, firstly, take streaming seriously. Instagram Live is great for just a plug and play, but it's not, in my opinion, good enough uh, for people who are gonna pay for your teaching. So what I've decided to do is move from Instagram Live to Zoom. A few reasons. One, this is the biggest one for me, you can use an external mic with Zoom. So I can use a, a Rode Go. That may not mean anything to you if you're not into microphones or technology, but communication, if you're a teacher, you're a professional communicator. So your audio should be the best quality possible. And when I use Zoom, I can use the ROGO uh, mic, which will allow me to have a wireless transmission of my voice, and therefore it's really clear for the people that are taking the class. Also with Zoom, you can plug in a DSLR camera your webcam therefore people that are joining the class can watch in high definition so no grainy pixelated uh, image it's high definition and the highest quality sound possible plus and this is a bonus with zoom you get to see the whole uh, of the room Uh, with Instagram live it's only a tiny little screen So although it's been a difficult transition for me because, you know, a steep learning curve to figure out how to work Zoom, it's worth it. I don't think this streaming thing is going to go away. I think that we're only being told a certain amount by the government for a start. I really believe the lockdown could be three months. I mean, why have the banks given mortgage relief for three months? They knew something that we didn't. And I think the government, in order for us to not go crazy has introduced this lockdown in little uh, week intervals so that we think, oh, it's nothing nothing too overwhelming. But yeah, I I, I mean, I assume I'll go back to teaching public classes. I, I hope so, because I love teaching public classes, but at the same time, the opportunity with streaming is, is incredible. Uh, if you're a yoga teacher and you think that it sounds a bit overwhelming, I mean, without sounding very harsh, there's no substitute for hard work. I'm I'm obsessed with with, uh, with this with with trying to develop my teaching skills, and I'm sure you, uh, uh, a lot of people are. But sometimes the the barrier in terms of the technology can put them off. Um, if any if you have any questions about the technology, I'm happy to answer them because uh, I've been through the learning curve, and if I can save you that time, I'd be happy to do that. But yeah, I'm having people come to my classes that I would never have had a chance to meet before and who knows what that's going to lead to. So um I think from a uh, yeah, a teaching point of view, it's there's loads of opportunity in the current situation we're in. And we're getting to uh, interact in a way that we we have never done before. So um let's make the best of it this this situation and uh, I plan to speak with a lot more people that uh, like Stu that I um I've never spoken to before and share those conversations with you. If, by the way, if you'd like to join in, in my live stream classes, they're every Monday to Friday, five days a week, 7pm on Zoom. Just visit my, my website, kevinboyoga.ie. That's enough for me. That was a bit of a, a rant. Not a rant, that's the wrong word because I'm happy. That was a bit of a spiel. Yeah, um, without further ado, here is the man himself, the anatomy aficionado, Stu Gerling. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, dude, listen. Thanks so much, man. I uh, first off, I'm I'm a big fan. I I uh I have I'm sitting here in the podcast studio, and it all came from two things really. Listen to Joe Rogan and watching yeah. your videos on uh Purple Valley Yoga.
1: That's it. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, um, I thought, oh, if you do this video thing interview, you can meet. Loads of people <laughs> get information for free, yeah. <laughs> and and also it's a great way to um, to it's another way to put yourself out there um, that maybe n- most people aren't aren't doing. Um, so, Stu, I want to start from the beginning, which is sure. the best place, generally speaking, uh, for people who, who maybe have stumbled upon this this chat. Um, so, Stu is. Uh, a yoga, anatomy can I say expert?
1: I mean how can you be expert in anything really particularly to do with the human body but I know some stuff and hopefully I know more than a lot of people so yeah. um, then I've got something to tell them but actually quite often you're expert of your own body because you're in your own body, it's just yeah. a way of thinking really if, so if you can just sort of adjust your thinking then actually it's better than anything else, anybody else can tell you so mm-hmm. what I try and do is, is take the boring out of anatomy, because uh, it can be a tremendously dull subject in the wrong hands. So I just mm-hmm. try and make it applicable to yoga, which is what we're interested in. Being a yoga practitioner myself, I couldn't care less you know, about how anatomy influences anything else at all, really, apart from the yoga practice. So um, that's what I try and do. I just try and make it really applicable, easy to follow, take away as much sciencey stuff uh, as we can, and the language, so that at least we can understand, you know, what it is we need to do with the body.
0: Yeah, and is it still that Ashtanga is your main love in the yoga world?
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, uh, we stumbled onto Ashtanga really. We, we didn't set out to choose a particular style of yoga. We we just started yoga because we were into all sorts of exercise, and it just happened that we were in somewhere that actually had power yoga. First of all. And then the next place we went had Ashtanga, but we didn't actually know it was Ashtanga. To us, it was just yoga. So mm-hmm. we started it, and then we were there like two months or so, something like that, and, and then we found out, oh, this is Ashtanga. But because they provided us with the framework for a self-practice, then um, it gave us something to use all the time. So And then I've tried a few other things, but to be honest, you know, once you fall in love with something, that's it. You know, it, you, you don't want the, the other stuff. It either seemed like I tried Ayenga and it seemed all too long-winded and slow and, and disjointed. And I and sorry about this but anybody else that does any other styles, but I'm sure you, you like your style the same way as I like my style. So it's, um, it wasn't because the, that style of yoga, Ashtanga, is not particularly known for its sort of alignment or anatomy or even particularly good care of the body, really. So it wasn't that that drew me to it. It just happened to be quite dynamic and fun and challenging. Uh, and so that's what drew me into the style of yoga. And then I just try and stick the filter of anatomy thinking on top of the existing framework, really.
0: What, this is a, a, quite a big question, but what are your thoughts on alignment?
1: Well, um, I think we are always placing our body in three-dimensional space in some way. Whether we think about it or not, we, we are either moving in patterns and placing our body in the same way every time because our body just moves there, or we are providing some conscious thought to how we're placing our body. So in ways, that is some form of alignment. Now, we've chosen, what my, my particular view is that each style has their own sort of blueprint for a posture. Iyengar will say, you should do it this way. Stenger said, no, you don't. Know, it's much shorter stance, or whatever, you do it this way. Uh, Vinyasa flow will say, well, actually, we like a bit of this, bit of that, or whatever. So everybody has that idea how you should do it. From my point of view, all that does is it changes the emphasis of how it works, the body, yeah? So nothing is wrong, apart from the times when you're putting your body within risk, yeah? So yeah. if, if you're placing your body in such a way that actually that will be detrimental to your body, then yeah. that's not good. But if you can, otherwise you can place your body however you want and call it a particular posture and it will be doing something to your body. So what is more important is to know what it is actually doing and then what bits are you missing? Are you always doing the same sort of things? So I think alignment provides a, the the traditional sort of you-should-do-it-like-this type of alignment is useful because it tells us sometimes why we can't do it. So if somebody said to you, right, okay, I want you to place your hand here, grab this bit, put your foot there, da-da-da-da, and you go to do it and you can't do it, it's like, oh, I thought I'd be able to do that, so why can't I do it, yeah? So it raises questions. Whereas if you just move the way that seems more organic, well, actually, we'll just move in our patterns. We'll avoid the bits that are most restricted. And we won't really get that level of um, information back. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that you should do it in this way. It's just that looking at it that way, then we say, okay, I can't do it that way. What would be a better way for me to do it? And still get at the essence of the posture. So I don't like the idea of just chucking alignment out the window because I think there's a lots of good things about sensible positioning of the body that comes through alignment that is worth holding on to but i also don't like the real rigidity of like this is the only way to do it because it isn't and Mm. different ways will be more suitable for different people depending on their shapes their their proportions their injuries their free areas their not so free areas so it's for me it's a fluid thing alignment isn't rigid it's fluid taking into account the needs of the individual and also taking into account safety factors and taking into account the essence of that particular posture.
0: Yeah, you mentioned one thing there uh, as a great answer, thank you, but in about doing the same thing over and over again. (laughs) Um, I think think from a, I mean obviously there's a lot of things to consider to be an effective teacher. One of them is I found is um, creating that flow uh, you know, d- designing a, a, a class or a sequence where there is a purpose, but then once there's a purpose, once it, it can be quite technical, then it needs to flow a little bit, I think, to get moving, breathing. I mean, I'm oversimplifying this, but um, but all of that has to happen um, and it can be so easy to just do the same thing over and over again. Absolutely. You know what you've got to say. You can focus more on how you deliver it and maybe trying to be funny or I don't know. <laughs> um but but I find that um I'm always trying to change how I move. But then when I try and teach that it's actually quite difficult. And I think, why am I creating unnecessary <laughs> stress for myself? <laughs> by saying, Well, you know, if you like um practice turn your foot in this way a little bit and uh, and try and explain that. But then I, I think that's what y- you have to practice what you Oh, sorry. You have to teach what you practice. Otherwise, I think it comes across. Well, one is inauthentic, but also two, um, y- it's just not fun. I, 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 I enjoy uh, telling people about the tiny little details. Like, for example, I'll say, you know, I found when I do chaturanga if I turn my hands out, I notice X Y Z for the shoulder, and and although sometimes some people may find that boring. Other people think it's quite interesting, and yeah. therefore y- you may not get. Um, you're going to lose some people that way, but also gain some people because they realise that you actually really care. Um, what what are, you, what are your thoughts on doing like a, a repetitive movement over and over again? Um, I'm not saying the Shtang is that, but some styles of yoga are like that.
1: And Ashtanga is like that, to be honest, if you're just doing... Okay. If you're just doing I didn't want to say it! <laughs> so I'm, you know, Ashtanga is my passion, I love it, um, but it's a little bit like um, you know, your uncle Bertie or something. You can love him, but appreciate that it's not perfect. You know, And that is one of the downfalls of Ashtanga, is that if you're stuck in maybe a half primary or just a full primary, and you're doing that year after year, it is repetition, and it will miss parts of the body out, it won't access you evenly, you'll get stronger in some places than others, and that actually creates as much imbalance as the balance that you're trying to create. So, and it will be better for some people than others. So for some individuals, absolutely everything that they need because of what's happening in their body can be obtained from, let's say, a full primary because those are the bits that, actually, that it's actually working on for them. But mm-hmm. there'll be another person that's got other stuff going on and their balance is, say, they're missing some medial rotation of the hip. There's a lot of external rotation hip in, in a stringer. And maybe it won't address that. So mm-hmm. for them, they need to do something else or add something else. The same yeah. as there's not many easier type of backbending apart from the up dog. Ashtanga Primary Series is missing some of the fundamental, easier opens, openings, shall we say, in the back. So, so, I'm going to say it is repetitive. So, I, I would say that if you are a practitioner that's stuck repeating half primary for more than a year, you should be supplementing it with other forms of movement. Not necessarily, I mean, other forms of yoga, cool, but otherwise other forms of movement. If you notice, for instance, there's very little side bending in the Ishtanga primary series. So mm-hmm. if you really feel tight on the sides of your body, add in some side bends. Yeah? If you don't and you don't need it, well then you don't need to borrow it. But, mm-hmm. but investigate your own body. So th- this is what I want people to get out of anatomy, is, is to, to be thinking more about what it is they're actually doing. You know? And is that beneficial for them? Is it you know, too similar to what they've always been doing and what they're already good at? and are they avoiding the things that they really need to do? So, mm-hmm. as far as creating sequences, that you were saying you like to create these sequences, you know, that's, and they need to be fun and they need to be dynamic, absolutely. You know, when I, whenever I'm teaching particularly new students and uh, new teachers to becoming, to becoming teachers, I always say to them, look, anatomy is not there to stifle your creativity. You know, create your sequences, however you want to create them, it doesn't matter and then look at them through an anatomical lens and say, ah cool, that was a a really fun dynamic sequence or whatever but I do notice that actually it doesn't really work the hip in this range of motion or it's very centred around this particular type of movement. And okay, that's cool, I'm going to stick with my sequence but next week when I create a new sequence I'm going to make sure that I add in X, Y and Z to try and over a period of time create some balance with my students yeah so it's not like every single practice should be balanced it would go on for two three hours to try and work every joint through every range of motion it's completely pointless but it's it's extended periods of time so hopefully what you've got as a teacher is students coming back to you and so you're really not worried about what their experience is for one class or how balanced it is for one class what you're worried about is six months one year have you created that balance within their body. And the only, reason you, the only way you're going to do that is by giving them something balanced over a period of time, rather than mm. heavily accentuated to talk towards forward folding or whatever the movement should be.
0: Yeah. Um, Stu, we've got yeah. a question here. Um, is mm. but, um, Kei Ching says, in that case, what do you feel about teaching something which you may not have achieved in your own practice yet? That's a good question.
1: Mm. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, a lot of coaches in sport sometimes might have done something and then now they're too old to actually do it themselves because they've lost the strength or they've lost the flexibility, but they can still teach it, yeah? Mm. Um, If you've never experienced something, you know, I would probably go down the lines, particularly if it's something complicated. If it's something that's fairly straightforward, mm, like you could say a Paschimottanasana, it's not easy if you're restricted on the back of the body, but it's farther straightforward as in the alignment and the positioning of the body. So even if you couldn't lay on your legs in a Paschimottanasana or a seated forward fold, you could probably teach somebody how to do it without putting them in any harm and also being able to get them to focus on the right areas, yeah. But if it was a more complicated posture, I think you really you should be able to do it, yeah, because you you haven't got that experience otherwise. You haven't got the internal sensation of what it's like to do that posture, yeah? And although we can, I can look at any posture, any posture that I haven't even seen before and figure out what you would need to do from an anatomical perspective. Oh, you need to rotate this, you need to do some contraction here, you need to do this, do that. And I I could be able to create that shape, but my experience in it is not the same You haven't got the nuances you haven't got the the sensitivities of what's going on in the posture that yoga is more about than just the physical shape of things yeah so i think it's better to be able to do it in a quick short answer (laughs) teach what you can do
0: but as you said though if you could do um not, not a version of it but if you can do a degree of it like say for mm. example i I teach the splits even though I can't do a full splits yeah um, because I can get my hips relatively close towards the floor and I use a lot of engagement in it and I understand the basic anatomy of it so I still would teach that but what I found the struggle and by the way that was such a great question um, it, the struggle is with your ego when mm. you're Teaching something you can't do the full expression of it, full expression. Um, I I had that resistance at the start that people might look at me and go, well, he can't even do it. So, hmm. but then what I d- what I do is I'll say I'll pick out a student who I know well in the class who can do it, and who is, you know, not shy, and say, you you might be more like me, or you might be more like them, hmm. and to give. To and I found that that can work quite well as long as you know the student. If you don't know them, it could embarrass them. Um,
1: yeah. And also what happens is some of those more flexy students actually sometimes get pissed off with always being asked to demonstrate stuff because, <laughs> really? because they just want to get on with their practice. Yeah. If I mean, you get some people that just love the limelight and love the attention, but you get other people that really just want to be doing their practice. They don't want the attention. They just want to get on with it. And actually don't really want to be picked out to demonstrate this and that. So you do, as you say, you have to know the person and be careful yeah. as, to, as to who you choose. But I can see where you're coming from and that's, you know, it is right. To a degree, you can talk somebody into something even if you can't get there yourself. Particularly if you've made the effort to learn the, the technique and the detail of the posture. Even if you can't go through the full range of motion be in the Mm. deepest expression of it but um, what I often see is is teachers that actually have pretty crappy technique then passing on that crappy technique to other people yeah Mm. Um, so that's what you have to be careful of in wanting to teach something that you really are not ready to teach is that your own technique is really good yeah, as a teacher it needs to be spot on because people will just copy what they see and if you're rounding in a forward fold in order to try and look like you're doing a deeper fold, forward fold than you are then people will just copy what you're doing and the whole thing goes down the drain really. What do you think then, Stu, about demonstrating? Demonstrating uh, physically rather than just talking people into things. Um, I, I personally would much prefer to see something demonstrated in front of me. Um, you should be able to talk to somebody into it. The only problem, so that would be from a student's point of view, I would much prefer to see it because I get a better sense of it. And, and sometimes that goes in quicker than somebody trying to say, OK, you need to place your hand here, you need to do this with your body. You need and a lot of students are not um, attentive enough to pick up all the fine details, shall we say. So that would be from a student's point of view, I think it's actually nicer to see it. Although, as long as the teacher doesn't just stand at the front doing the class with you, and actually does move around the room and look at what you're doing, and adjust or not adjust depends on, on the, the style, but um, I think it's important that they don't just stay put and do their own workout while everybody else is trying to keep up. So that would be from a student point of view. From a teacher's point of view, probably not best actually to show everything particularly if you're not warm. So if you are going to demonstrate particularly difficult postures you need to make sure that you are really warm, you need to to think about how many classes a week you're teaching and whether your body could sustain that level of physical activity and demonstrating. So it's a balance isn't it? You know what we'd really like is small classes about seven to ten people a teacher that only teaches six seven classes a week and is able to warm up before the class demonstrate come around check you make sure you're doing things okay before the next posture is given in an ideal world in the economic world of yoga that's not at all possible is it
0: no um well what's been a big revelation for me in the last few weeks is streaming classes and Mm. I've been blown away by the demand for joining a streamed class, and I thought, oh, I'll just do this for a week, and no one's going to really bother with it. It's because it's not like the real thing. They'll just watch YouTube videos when they have a chance. But it's true. Like, I mean, I'm doing. It's it's there's there's demand for it. Put it that way. But I don't know if that's going to change. But what my point is is that. It's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you, I'm demonstrating uh, what the main feedback I got this f- after the first week was, Kev, can you actually demonstrate stuff? Because I d- I don't really demonstrate. I talk. Uh, I try to. I'm really interested in developing my skills at explaining and talking, and uh, and um, w- that's a maybe a bit selfish for me o- of me because I want to be a more skillful teacher verbally. Mm. Mm. But when you're streaming the the Biggest uh, uh, bit of feedback I got was, can you just demonstrate everything? So I've been demonstrating everything, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm uh, like, I'm I'm in good shape. <laughs> yeah, <you can laughs> I think in I'm in the best shape I've ever been. Yeah. Um, but when you're demonstrating as well, you and it's streamed, it's you don't have that feedback. You, you, s- you can see if you're doing a Zoom class, for example, n- yeah. on Instagram, like I'm doing, hi- like we're doing here, you can't see the people, so you, you have yeah. no view. Yet. But even on Zoom, people have their audio off, and you can just see people in the little boxes doing their thing. But you don't have any kind of feedback or any time to take any respite, and you're having to, especially if you don't have a mic, you're having to really project your voice, maybe too yeah. loud sometimes. Yeah. And um, I, I've it's, a, it's been a big eye-opener for me. It makes me look at... Um, online platforms and teachers that teach online a, a whole new respect
1: <laughs> all the time and I, I think one of the problems is as well is that for me a posture is three dimensional and when you're looking through a camera you see one viewer of a student from a particular angle and so you're not seeing everything that's going on you, not, you can't hear their breath you can't um, really pick into what's going on with them emotionally or, or even how much it's taking out of them really in a certain extent. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great format for the moment because of the fact that um, we got no choice, have we? <laughs> People were stuck at home. But actually, you know, ideally, I think you want to be with somebody. I think, I, I, I've just taught myself, funny enough, I've taught some anatomy for a teacher training and it was fun and it was, it was great. But it's nothing like being in the room with the students and getting the feedback, seeing their faces, working with their bodies. So it's much more of a two-way experience than it is coming through the TV screen, shall we say. Yeah.
0: Stu, I mean, you're an early adopter of technology, as in um, you were doing high quality video audio uh, interviews for Mm. um before anyone else in the definitely yoga world that i know anyway um do do you think i i know you said it's nothing like being in person but do you think any of this is going to stick this streaming this do you think people are going to replace their public classes with stream classes Uh, is that something that you see
1: i don't i can't see it i think because a people need to get out their house and it's it's time for a lot of people when they can say leave the kids behind leave everything, all the distractions from the house behind and go to a class. Have, I mean also I come from a Shtanga background so we're used to physical adjustments. I, I know the climate is changing as far as how those adjustments could be done um, but that physical input I think is quite a lot, it's quite important for, for a lot of practitioners. Some people don't like it at all but I've always liked um, being adjusted not necessarily forcefully, but just even somebody just placing their hand on you, suddenly, you know, your shoulders can drop and relax. It's like, oh my God, I didn't realize I was like so tense, yeah, or, or whatever. So it's not people need to do like full on grinding people into things, but just that tactile um, experience gives also a lot, um, as well as, um, as well as I think the, the, energy I mean I've been so lucky to actually you know be present in a yoga room with so many fantastic teachers and there's a quality to those teachers that are the best that we call it like holding the room and they have a a, um, an energy that inspires that that really um, draws out the best in you that makes you focus makes you concentrate and that, that is something to do with their presence in the room. And I, I'm not sure that transfers as easily into the in, into video. Um, it, yeah, it,
0: you know, it doesn't shoot that, uh, absolutely, but w- what I have noticed is the importance of audio in video. Mm-hmm. People, I feel like people watch a video that is not the best if the audio is great, but not the other way around. Other way around. Mm-hmm. And I've decided as of today, um, I'm not going to do Instagram Live uh, classes anymore. Which that's what yeah. I was doing last week. Every day I, I was doing a seven pm class, and now this is also a bit of shameless advertising by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every, every day now at seven pm, I'm doing a Zoom class. But with Zooms, Stu, the difference is, and yeah. uh, it, uh, you'll have to indulge me a little bit. I'm going to geek out with you about cameras and stuff. Yeah. But you're allowed to with Zoom. You're allowed to plug in a DSLR in your uh, laptop, so therefore yeah. you can use a DSLR as a webcam, and you can use a Rode Go m- wireless mic as your mic. So you've yeah. got DSLR uh, image with uh, like top quality um, uh, audio mm. uh, as as a live stream. So although that's not um, no, not as good as the real thing, I, for me it's like the best you can do with streaming. And another thing I try to do a lot is actually, see the way I'm looking at you now, I'm looking at mm. you on the screen, but mm. if I was to do this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> instead, <laughs> so when I'm speaking on my, my Zoom classes or Instagram classes, I actually look at the at the, <laughs> the, ca- the lens itself, <laughs> exactly. and I'm a, I'm an amazing amount of people that will do Instagram stories like this, i will say like, hey, how's yeah. it going guys, welcome. Yeah. Like, Look at this! Look Where's at the camera. Where's the camera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The <camera>? <laughs> so <laughs> the, there, there is a skill to, um, to delivering. I think video is the most powerful medium there is, um, and there is a sk- skill to it. And what I liked about your videos um, with Purple v- Valley uh, is that you used was it a two-camera or three-camera setup?
1: Quite often, two or three. Yeah. Um, yeah. We did have all separate mics. Um, So that we've got good audio, as you say, it's like vitally important. People will put up with a bit of a crappy image, but they won't put up with crappy audio because you need to hear what's going on. Um, Mm. So yeah, and it was a fantastic time. I mean, I haven't been back there the last year or so because we've been trying different things. Um, But it was a brilliant time because I, I think what made those videos so popular was there was no agenda. You know, we filmed them purely to get the information out. It wasn't somebody's got a book coming out or this person, you know, uh, it wasn't sound bites. I mean, some of those interviews went on for like an hour and a half or something like that. So there was nothing, nobody was trying to get anything out of it. And that made it very genuine. We managed to talk at length about particular topics which maybe otherwise would have just got brushed over. And, And so it was, yeah, it was a great time. And as, like you were saying at the beginning when you were saying, okay, you've tweaked that this is a pretty cool way of, of finding out stuff for yourself as well as your, the, and it was the same for me. I used to be at home with my wife before a particular interview day, and I'd say, anything we need to know from Lerugo or anything we need to know from Kino, because I'll be talking to her later. And she'd oh, well, perhaps you could ask her about such and such. So it's like, yeah. why not, you know, you've got the people there, ask for yourself, and, and quite often what would happen is you'd get, I'd get emails back, ah, you ask all the right questions, exactly what I wanted to know, or, or whatever because I was coming you know, from a practitioner's point of view and trying yes. to ask what made sense for most practitioners. So it was, yeah, it was a, a very fun time, very fun time. And it's, it was, sorry, Steve, yeah. go on. I was just gonna say a little bit like you're saying, can it replace the real thing? Well, I still get interview, I uh, still get emails now from all over the world from people that saying, I haven't got a teacher, I can't practice with a teacher. These Um, Workshop videos and interviews are fantastic because they give me a sense of connection to the community and I'm learning so much, you know, from them. So they definitely have a a role to play for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, Stu, I I don't want to be selfish and ask all the Mm. questions because someone else (laughs) said something something here. Uh, uh, Ironically, uh, Sarah says audio went a bit wonky. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Mine or uh, yours? Uh, I, she said, it may, uh, I, I don't know, but she says maybe it's just on her end. Uh, do you think teachers um, who teach well in person can do the same online? Keqing wants to know.
1: I think there is a skill um, to teaching in front of a camera. I think, I think people do get conscious of cameras. And, and one thing I see a lot is, as you say, peering. Right, <laughs> right, as if you've got to almost climb into their room and, and, and you're aware that it's a camera. My advice is, you know, just treat it like a person. A camera, at, behind that camera, particularly if it's live, are people. So you're talking to people, so don't talk to the camera, apart from, as you say, where you're looking maybe. But, mm-hmm. but talk as if you're talking to people. Um, but it's, there, there will be a skill because you don't, you, as you say, you don't see people's eyes, you don't see the feedback Im- immediately. Um, I- I've been astounded with the quality of some of the, te- some of some of the teaching online. It's amazingly good, you know, and it is a, a definite skill. Um, and it can, I think there's different qualities you need to be also good at teaching it in person. Because mm. in person it-, it can, a person can hold the room, a good teacher can hold the room and say very little. Yeah, um, because their presence is so strong. I, I know a teacher that's just sort of almost sat in the corner. And <laughs> done very much. That does sort of irritate me a bit. But, you know, I could <laughs> I could still sense they were there. Um, but you couldn't really do that live because people are like, well, what the fuck, what's going on, you know? Mm. So, so
0: It's almost like when you do video, you have to be uh, the ultra version of you. You have mm. to be, have all the bells and whistles because you, as you say, Stu, you, you lack that, um, you can't pick up on the energy, so therefore, you mm. have to really get it across a bit more. Mm. Um, and uh, and actually, I want, I want to go back to something though, I do, I do love to my video, but you mentioned about uh meeting people and how you can meet Kino, where I've met as well, had, mm. a, had on the podcast and love Kino, and um and how you can get information off them. No, sorry, not get information off them, that's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you can, Basically, you can that was what it
1: was coming down to, really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, but what, what I've realized is, um, in order to flourish in as a self-employed yoga teacher, you mm. need to collaborate, you need to have partnerships. You can't do it all on your own. You mm. can't, uh, well, you can do so much on your own, but the best things that have happened to me have happened through collaborating with. Of people like, for example, Jenny Keane, who's, uh, I don't think is watching this, but like, um, and what I realised, say with Jenny, for example, we we had this chemistry and we complement each other. We offer two different things, and now you know we're going to be doing a teacher training together, and it all started from a po- from a podcast, mm. from just a, from a chat. We've mm. done um, a, we've done live podcasts together as well, and that um, that is something from a. I know talking about business in yoga is not very um, tasteful because people think, oh, you know, you shouldn't talk about money and and, and trying to be successful. But if you love doing what you're doing, which I, I, Stu, I love doing this. Like, Mm. this is the first time in my life I've actually feel like I've added some value to something. Um, And so I want to do it for as long as possible. And therefore, but yeah, I'm used to kind of doing things on my own. And what I've realized is, God, if you actually network with people and this and this is one of the best ways to do it you can uh, offer things that you could never do uh, on on your own um but um that was my point <laughs> full full stop <laughs> i just
1: sort of nodded off there for a bit to be honest <laughs> <laughs> sorry Jay. sorry Jay. um
0: but um have you, so you have you moved away then from purple valley that's like you're not yeah, I mean,
1: we were, we were living in Goa at the time and um, hence I was able to be at Purple Valley. But then um, we had some health issues with my mum and so it was like, well, it'd be better to be back in the UK or at least make UK a base to then travel from to do things. And so we couldn't put aside that six months to go to India um, and hence we sort of put an end to my, anyway, my being at Purple Valley. Um, I've tried to keep up doing some interviews while, while we've, I've now been away from there, but to be honest it's not as easy because at Purple Valley it was fantastic, everybody was tramping through, every two weeks we had a different teacher, I really didn't have to do anything, in fact all the, all the film set up and everything was set up for me, um, I literally just had to sort of turn up, the teacher would turn up and bang, away we go. Whereas now doing it for myself, I have got all the equipment. I've got, you know, all the cameras, all the audio, everything. And when you were saying to me, what can you plug some audio into? Well, I've got a Zoom H1 and a Zoom H4. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, you know, dedicated uh, lav uh, microphones and a wireless microphones and all that. So I've got all the equipment. But actually, when you've got quite a busy schedule yourself, so in normal terms, I would be away. I think actually this weekend, I should be in Aberdeen but of course the virus has sent a spanner into everything. So when you've got that sort of schedule yourself and then you've got to think, I really want to try and get hold of such and such to, to interview them or try and cross over, to, it's, it's not so easy. So um, I haven't done anywhere near as many interviews in, in recent years as I would like to, apart from the odd time when we Either somebody's invited me somewhere and I thought, oh, okay, cool, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Let's, let's do an interview, let's film some stuff. Or um, if we happen to collide in a, around the world sort of thing. But um, yeah. it's certainly a fantastic experience to be able to do that. And then, as you say, you really feel that you're providing something worthwhile to the yoga community, particularly if, you, again, that your, your heart is in the right place. If you're just disseminating information, sharing wisdom, then um, it's great, you know, because everybody wins.
0: Yeah. Um, so I've got a question here. Mm. What's your opinion on charging for online classes?
1: I think it's necessary, to be honest, because um, teachers have to live. And, and while people might be stuck at home um, and they've been, okay, some people have been made unemployed, but a lot of people are at home still getting paid, normal workers being paid. So your yoga teacher is at home um, not being paid. So this is one way that a yoga teacher will still be there for you when, um, when all this is finished. If they have to then stop teaching and become a, a van driver or something because they can't pay their mortgage anymore then everybody loses. So I don't see any problem at all with with teachers studios. Uh, I like the idea of studios providing free online classes for their existing students as a substitute for them not being able to be there in person and that way the studio maybe can stay alive again and not have to close down and I like the idea of of normal teachers being able to um, charge their students if they would normally be charging them to to give them online stuff because it's an exchange of energy isn't it the teacher is still teaching and that, as you say, can be very exhausting and it can also, um, you know, it requires a lot of focus. So, um, in a perfect world, wouldn't it be lovely not to have to charge for yoga or to charge for anatomy training or teaching, but somebody would have to give me, um, you know, uh, money through the letterbox, (laughs) Mm. so on a regular basis. So, and I think that's the same with, with many teachers online now, they're online, Yes, they want to help their students, which is fantastic, and help them through this situation, but also they also need to live. So um, I don't see any problem with it at all, as long as it's value for money.
0: Yeah. Um, th- w- what is a, a, a difficult decision to make about charging is, do you do donation or do you do a fixed price? So the last two weeks I've been doing donation mm. and I've just been like, I've had to message some people and go, sorry, just to let you know you've given me this much. Is, that, is this a mistake? Mm. You know, thinking like they've m- uh, typed in something wrong. Yeah. Um, but some people pay you l- like they value you more than you value, more than you think you're worth. Yeah. And other way, other way around as well. Some people won't pay anything.
1: So it's just fair I that, mean, it's hard. W- sorry, I, I was going to say we uh, must be five years ago or so, or so now. Um, David Robson and I uh, created a a little, it was a PDF at the time, but an interactive PDF, so it had video and everything in it as well, of all the jumping for the Ashtanga practices, jumping through, um, jumping back, from standing, from seated, and it was so cool, and he's like king of jumping, so it was a really good project. And the idea was for all the proceeds to go to the dog's welfare place in Goa. So I thought, ah, people, you know, are going to be generous and da da da. I put it free to download with donation only. And, you know, I was really disappointed with the number of people that just downloaded it and didn't make a donation. So after a few months, uh, I said to David that we're going to have to charge a minimum amount, like I think it was like $2, and you could then donate what you wanted to donate. And some people, as you say, they donate like 25 or 50 Somebody donated $50. And it's like they're not denied, donating it for the... For the, for the material itself, really, but they want to give to the thingy. And, you know, I know we're always being asked to give for something nowadays. And so, but when somebody has invested their time, like you're teaching, um, I think it's pretty rich not to give anything at all. So, if you could rely on people's, you know, selflessness, it would be fantastic to just give donation only. But I think, unfortunately, you can't always rely on that. And, and I also think that sometimes people don't value something that is free, also. It, it's, mm-hmm. um, I've often noticed if I've done something um, that is free, come, does not gonna cost you anything or whatever, people are often late, people <laughs> often don't come at the last minute or, or let you down at the last minute. Whereas if you've made them pay for it, even if it's a small fee, people tend to be on time, they tend to not cancel and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know, it's always that exchange of energy should be equal. And unfortunately, I think money is sometimes a bit of an equalizer in that energy equation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I I think also, I think that this person is asking a a good question, but it really Hmm. depends on, I think, the context as well. Like if you're teaching regular public classes, you've got regular contact with people. And they're used to a money exchange with you. they're more likely to when that transfers to online then pay you but if they've n- they're not haven't met you in real life before or they're mm. not used to, you haven't told a story you haven't um they haven't followed you along a journey and they don't know you that well they're way mm. less likely way less likely to, to to pay um that that thing though about people n- not paying like I would get say sixty seventy views on my instagram lives and maybe 30 of the people would pay. Yeah. And I actually never thought about the 40 people that didn't pay. What I did think was, well, they're spending their time with me instead of someone else. And it's like f- advertising for me and I'm doing it anyway. And this is why it's quite a difficult decision because now I've gone to f- a fixed price and yeah. it's a fixed price that's lower than my average, what I was making during the donation. And I made it lower because just the, Be like more reasonable, and then when I got all the people booking in yesterday and today, I thought I should have made it higher. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's but then but then if you made it higher, you think, am I doing that? It's a difficult one. Um, But you made a great point, Stuart. It's like, what's it going to be like in two months if you don't get paid? You're not going to be a yoga teacher anymore. You're going to be doing something like you said, a van drive or whatever. Um, And that is that is. I, I, it's funny you hear the stories about people not making money, but you also don't hear the, you don't hear the stories about people that have an office job and they haven't yeah. actually been affected, and, and if anything, yeah. they've got maybe a bit more money to spend. Um, but um,
1: it's hard, isn't it? Pricing uh, tricky. I think to be a full-time yoga teacher is challenging at the best of times. You know, uh, there's there's not many teachers that are you know living the life of luxury. Not that that necessarily would go together with being a yoga teacher because most of the time we're giving up you know a lot of the fluff in life, the material fluff that we don't really need, we've come to that realization but having said that there's still, you still want the, the, the comfort of knowing that you can always pay your mortgage if you've got one, that you can put petrol in the car, that you can you know um, buy some new bit for your computer should you need it you don't want to be living hand to, to mouth you know Um, Which, funny enough, we did once upon a time, not as yoga teachers, but um, funny enough, in Ireland, we had a sandwich round. I mean, I'm going back like 20 years, 30 years ago, probably 35 years ago, when, when sandwiches weren't a thing and before all these pretz and all the rest of it. And we were living when in
0: sandwiches it. When sandwiches so, weren't a thing?
1: Yeah, not a thing, you know, that you bought them in a petrol station, that you bought them oh, in sorry, shops okay. and things like that. Yeah, no, there, there wasn't... I'm not going back that far, <laughs> like I love 100, 150 years ago when there was no bread, yeah. No, it was like um, people just weren't selling them. And we were, we were there tramping around building sites selling sandwiches. And literally, if we didn't sell any, we, you know we wouldn't we'd really be struggling to put money in the car uh, for the petrol in the car and so it was it's a similar sort of thing now with yoga teachers if that is your passion and you don't want to have another job on the side to try and support the fact that you want to teach you know and that might in itself exhaust you um, it can be really hard I think to get enough people to then try and not make it about the money but also to be able to survive it's it really is quite um, a game. And I think maybe not enough of that is talked about on teacher trainings. I know you said it's maybe sort of frowned upon to talk about money and yoga in the same sentence. But the reality is that a, a yoga teacher needs to eat, you know, something besides prana. <laughs> 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 yeah, it, it, it's, um, it
0: it's made me think about the, this new maybe temporary world a streaming world where you're you can quite easily just directly broadcast and have people sent pay you so there's mm. no middleman and over the last two years every week i've done a podcast without fails always come out i sorry that's a lie i missed one week but anyway i've done that and then i've realized i and you know in my podcast i don't make any money i don't i, I i've lost loads of money doing it and you know po- actually sponsors not paying me and all this kind of stuff but yeah. um that's another
1: story oh is um, anyone sponsoring us Say again? Is anybody sponsoring us? No, no <laughs> one's sponsoring. So, no sp- uh, so I'm not going to get a free T-shirt in the post or anything nah. like
0: that. Ugh. No, spo- no sponsors anymore, <laughs> unfo- unfortunately. But um, <laughs> but but the thing is, Stu, is like what I've realised now is that from doing these donation classes, you think self, oh, you know, uh, could I do everything on my own? Do I need do I need a studio? And I think that is a tempting thing to to fantasise about, but. I I I, I that you know this will all come. This will come to an end. Maybe it's going to yeah. be a month. Maybe it's going to be three months. And I need those alliances. Like I need. I like somewhere to go and somewhere and people to work with and to collaborate with. And if 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 I if my internet connection went down, yeah, you've got nothing. Yeah, you got. I,
1: I had that fright as I say last week. I was teaching and and the internet, just the the power from it. I mean, I've had, i got fibre broadband here installed because I needed to teach on this TT. Up until then, I was just using my mobile and it was a hotspot, which was fine. But one of the days, like five minutes before, the bloody thing packed up and I thought, no, no, there's no signal, what am I gonna do? (laughs) And it added a level of stress that if you were there, sometimes I'm teaching, because I teach all over the world, so sometimes it's in places where there's power cuts and things like that. And so what? If there's a power cut, you wing it. If you, if you would normally be showing slides, you should know your material well enough that you don't really need them. They're there for, for visual stimulation. So you, you don't need anything apart from you. But as you say, the more reliant on your, your bandwidth, your technology, your good video feed, your good audio feed, then it can be, you know, it's stress in itself. But mm-hmm. I agree with you too that, you know, that went through our mind. We were talking about it because we, we love being abroad, we love being in Bali, we love being in, in India or anywhere where it's warm basically. And at the moment we're in the UK. And my wife was saying, well, you know, could you, could you do this? Could you, you know, teach on these TTs and different things via um, Zoom? We were using Zoom as well. Mm-hmm. And um, would that be a viable sort of uh, platform or, or to continue our lives and then go where the hell we want and teach remotely. And I said to her, no. (laughs) I said, I want to be there with the students. It's different because I'm not teaching for the money. I'm teaching because I love to share information. I love to to be there, see the changes happening in students. And you don't, you don't, it's not the same, you know, and it worked Mm. out a lot better than I thought it might do, actually, once it got used to the idea, because we had the whole, gallery thing going, web, web conferencing, which means you can see them and they can see you and yeah. we, that sort of thing. So we've got more uh, than a one-way street, but actually it's still not the same as being there in person, uh, giving your time and really investing yourself into the situation that's in front of you. So yeah. um, for some people it might be enough, you know, and maybe they'll think of this experience as well. I'll, I'll just do it from home from now on. But I think, depending on how you you view it, for me, the money is secondary, the interaction and the, the sharing and the whole energy is, is, comes way, way above it, like, you know, 80, 20. <laughs>
0: and, and also as well, you, you start to realize how much work goes on behind the scenes in a studio, like when I'm doing yeah. these Zoom classes, booking people in, payments, mm. uh, liaising with people. Uh, Stu, we've only got 30, this, they give you 30-second time, uh, oh. time, yeah, 30 seconds. Um, All right, any last I had questions? A que- I, had a, I had a question, but what I'll do is I'll message it to you, mm. and then would you, you can maybe message the lady. Her name's Patricia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's
1: true, that's it. We've just got 10 seconds. Cool. Uh, well, thanks, Kevin, for having me on, uh, on your podcast or, and also this uh, live stream. And Really nice talking to you and hope uh, the, some of the viewers get something out of it.